I consider you to be one of the most successful business people in American history, and your successful presidential run is something that all people, young people included, should look up to. What advice would you give to the 25-year-old Donald Trump, knowing what you know today? Don't run for president. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. to self don't die welcome in everybody to the weekly dose the supposed for-profit venture known as the stone on air podcast which is in weekly installments recently on a thursday this one on march 29th 2018 damn near a quarter way through this year already where the hell did it go I'm having an increasingly frustrating week. I have gone off and made myself a very, very busy person Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of every week. And then Thursday is a is a pretty pretty chilled out easy day. Friday is a pretty chilled out easy day. And then I do have a weekend, but then it's just kind of getting ready for another nonstop Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And um I'm not complaining. It's just taking some getting used to. And I was getting ready to do the show late on a Wednesday, final week of, um, of the month of March. And I'll get into this into the second segment of the show. I go to uh, to sit down to start, uh, not to get started just ready yet. I, there's a lot of pre and post production that goes into a lot of these podcasts. And I sit down and I put I hit mute on the TV and I look over and there's Joe Biden on the damn TV, and I can't pause it, and I'll get into this in the second segment as to why, and so I get up, and it's it's Law & Order SVU, and I love that show, and it's one of those shows, if you start it, it's just so good. It hooks you, and you can't stop watching, or at least I can't, until the damn thing is over because it twists and turns so many times, and it's just it's remarkable how good of a show it is, and so Joe Biden is the guest uh, whatever, he's just got a cameo at the very beginning as the vice president con- commending something in the New York PD, whatever. He was only there for the open. Well, I was like, hell, I got to go find out what my boy Joe's doing. And then I get stuck watching the damn show for the next hour. <laughs> so it's later and later and later before I finally get started. Absolutely exhausted, but that is fine. So more on that here in a few as to why I had to stop and watch the show and why I couldn't pause it and why it is cable TV is finally, it's done. It's over. Cut the cord. Quit it. Stop this madness. I'll get into that here in a few. Uh, let's see. So trivia night, speaking of the busy Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, finally, finally went well. Finally was enjoyable. Finally was fun. This past Tuesday was the fifth, uh, was the fifth? Yeah, fifth one I've done. Finally know how the PA system works. Finally got my levels right. Finally, everybody in the building could hear me. And it was it was a good time. So every Tuesday night, 8 to 10 over at the feed company table and tavern. If playing trivia is your thing, come on out. It's not that hard. Some of these leagues they do are really, really difficult. And the leagues that I've done in the past were those really difficult ones. And I like those because what those are strategic leagues. You put together teams that are well-versed and well-rounded. So you have your history major. You have your your movies crazy person. You have your dude who watches nothing but TV. You have me that knows most sports trivia I can at least guess. I might not know the answer, but I can at least guess. And so you, you assemble that many people, and then you go play, and it's it's real competition. There's regionals. You can travel on to, uh, to, to the regional finals and all these things. I've never gone that far with it. This is not like that. This is kind of a poor man's trivia. It's easier. It's more guessable. It's less serious, but it's still taken serious to the point of 
don't use your cell phones. And I have still having a difficult time figuring out how I police that. But that is still very, uh, very important that there's integrity to the game because there is uh, bar cash that's won. But it's not, you know, no one takes it too seriously and everybody has a lot of fun with it. So I enjoy it. So Tuesday nights at the feed. Uh, the Moon River Festival. Last time I was uh, had a show released for download was the day that the tickets went on sale and everybody was all pissed off. Pissed off, pissed off. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Two different social media posts I had over the course of the last week. They both caught fire and, and got all kinds of sideways and turned upside down. Not mad at anybody or anything or any any anybody who posted on there. But I'm going to talk about both those posts here in a minute. But the tickets went on sale at 10 a.m. and they were sold out by, I believe, around 7.30. I caught wind at about 8.15 that they were sold out. And um, I think it was around 7.30. So in about nine, nine and a half hours, the tickets sold out. I have understanding from people who are close to the situation that they sold 10,000 tickets, which is really not a whole lot when it comes to a, a major music festival. It's really not a whole lot at all. At $140, they went quick. They were in tiers. The first two tiers at 99 and 119 went almost immediately, which irritated some people but it is quite ama- it is quite remarkable how little the average Chattanooga and certainly city planners and organizers in this city know about big events just don't know anything about how real big events actually work in real major markets and bigger cities I mean Riverbend is bleh. I mean I, I said I wasn't even gonna say their name it's not the same that that's not even kind of the same thing as a real big event that's a carnival and a you know and a a county fair is all that is. And in the final segment, the House Bill 1782, State Representative uh, for District 29, Mike Carter, is sponsoring this bill, or at least he's helped pushing the bill. I don't know exactly who's got what exact title on the bill, but he is firmly behind it. So is Tennessee State Senator uh, Bo Watson, and pulled from uh, WTCI, uh, PBS local uh, programming. I found some audio of theirs. I reached out to Mike Carter on Facebook to try to get him to come on the show as I now have my official phone system now. I was able I'm able to take phone calls as it's been for the last year, but it was without boring you with the technicalities and the jargon. It was a pain in the ass. I finally have my new phone system where I can just plug right into my uh, connections here and talk through the microphone and and they can hear me on the other end. It's pretty damn cool, actually. So I was uh, really looking forward to getting a phone guest on to use it. He said, yeah, get a hold of me. Let's make something happen. Well, I've already tried to get a hold of him once, and I didn't hear anything back. I'll try again. I get it. Busy politicians, some dude with a podcast who, if he does a quick search, probably you know quickly is un- unimpressed by anything he sees uh, by me out there. And he is a Republican. I'm clearly not. Um, I don't know if he can tell that quickly, but uh, I have given him lots of love on social media. I'm hoping he's noticing that, and I hope I have him on soon. Might not really even need him because he says a lot of what I would be asking him from this interview from PBS that I'll get to in the final segment. So, to get things started here, so in the last seven days, I've had two social media posts that really just kind of caught on fire, For you know, locally speaking. I'm not talking about anything majorly viral or anything like that. The first one was... It was just simply saying, man, Chad nigga really needed something like this. This is great. Talking about the uh, Moon River Festival in response to the quick sellout and high demand for uh, for the event. And then it started going off into so many different areas. And one of them was about the bridge. I was spending a lot of time wondering how they were going to handle the Walnut Street Bridge. Because it is kind of like the perfect viewing area in certain areas. And um, I thought they probably would end up making it a VIP section. And, and it turns out they're not. It's just going to be open as a pedestrian bridge. Well, my boy Jonathan Sussman, a good friend of mine, works for the city. In response to what are they going to do with the bridge, or can people stand on the bridge and watch a show from there? And I I don't see why not. No other bridges or near any kind of events ever get shut down or, or had told for people to move along. Uh, Jonathan says, no, they will not shut down the bridge, but people will not be allowed to stand in the areas on the bridge that are over the crowd. That's not just a move to make sure people don't cheat and watch the show for free, but rather a safety issue for any large crowd gatherings these days. Sad but true. I've never heard of that. Um, I'm sure he knows more than I do. I'm sure there's some truth to that. I've never really heard of anybody saying they're concerned about who's underneath a bridge, who can and can't stand on a bridge. It is a pedestrian bridge with benches and buskers and people who go have picnics and spend time loitering on that bridge all the time. 
Uh, Nathan Gale says, I have never seen them do this for Riverbend or any other event around where bridges and people gather around it. Who is going to be asking people to move along? Police officers? Is there going to be a new law to make people move? Jonathan says, it's a pedestrian bridge, Nathan, not a vantage point for events. I'm only going to read a couple of these, but I think this is where Jonathan starts picking up pace, trying to make his, uh, his, his point in different ways. And I said, uh, next, I have never heard of that either, Nathan. Hypothetically, I'm sure it's possible that people will be asked to move. In reality, I doubt it will be an issue. This kind of event is not normal for Chattanooga, so everybody is overreacting. It's no big deal, and by next week, nobody will be concerned with it. Jonathan says, no, it's more than possible, Brian. It's going to happen, and you know what? It's going to be okay. I said, five bucks says I, I find people that watch the entire show from the bridge, but I get it, and I agree that everybody will be okay. Nobody will care about this ticky-tack stuff later. He says, I'll take that bet. I said, good, because you're going to owe me five bucks. And then there's some more back and forth between others. There's no reason to keep reading, but they still continue to argue, how can you make people move? How can you make people get off of a bridge that they're used to loitering on? There's people loitering on the Walnut Street Bridge right now. Every minute of every day, except for maybe the middle of the night, there is people loitering on the Walnut Street Bridge. How all of a sudden now can you change that? I meant to look up, and I did a quick search. I couldn't find it quickly uh, to try to find something on the books about the bridge and what the laws are and what you can and can't do. I'm sure it's uh, filed away somewhere for public uh, consumption somehow, some way. I, I, I don't know. I didn't get around to being able to figure it out. That was one thing. And then it went, it went in a bunch of different directions, and some people were like, screw this. They, you know, bait and switch on the tickets, and ah, this is, uh, I'm mad, and uh, fake outrage, fake outrage, and then all that, this festival's stupid anyway. You know, just a bunch of stuff like that. Whatever. No big deal. I don't care anything about that. And so, it, it, all, all in all, in the end, the place is sold out. Nobody cares if you can see the show from some other vantage point that's outside the barriers of the of the festival. Organizers don't care if somebody's on a bridge and can see a stage from there on the on the ground outside of a barricade. Doesn't matter. They got their money. Everything they've set out to do so far, it's working out beautifully beautifully for them. And the last thing they're concerned about is who is or isn't standing on a damn bridge. So that was that was kind of a stupid argument. That I don't think it's going to be an issue unless. Somebody decides to go out of their way to make it an issue. If somebody who is now decides to say, all right, well, oh, yeah, watch this. I'll show you. Well, then, yeah, we might have an issue. But since it's in September, you know, that's obviously a long ways away from now. I mean, it'll be here before you know it. It's six. What? Well, that's six months away. And it will be here before you know it. Time flies. Ain't got a damn thing to do with whether you're having any fun or not. So hopefully that doesn't become a thing. All right. So for the second social media kind of mini local viral fire that started up and this was even bigger with more people involved and it went into so many different uh it grew legs and just started running off in all kinds of different directions was i woke up on saturday after a uh, night out at the signal for the road to nightfall i was a part of the event last year i was not at all this year but i was a uh, a spectator a patron on saturday night for the finals my favorite band that was competing sunsap came in second I still think they're the best band that played that night. I think they should have won that night, but they didn't, and that's fine. Not mad about that at all. Don't think uh, anything negative about the event in the slightest, all right? So we got all that out there, right? I don't have to expect text messages or phone calls or Facebook messages or DMs on Twitter about how Brian's talking shit about the uh, road to nightfall, right? Okay? We can all understand that I am a big fan of the event, uh, and Hive Theory was your winner. Courtney Holder and Zach the drummer used to play with Nick. Love love them. They're great, great, great. Still think Sunset was the best. Think they should have won. All right. That being said, I don't love the idea overall of winning a contest for an event like Nightfall um, because that's it's kind of a big league gig. And I'm okay with the contest if it's professionally judged only. Now, I know there can be some biases in there. I already know those arguments. I already know where that can come from. We've had contest in this city this city is actually very well known for having competitions that are completely rigged so i get those concerns and those concerns are real but that was also in the older chattanooga chattanooga has evolved considerably over the last decade and a half and um, i don't like the idea of having to rely on social media and and and, and people who can vote who aren't there and where you can really influence the vote by just, you know, if you're a 21-year-old kid and you live your life online, you can you can really influence that vote heavily. Um, Dan Pinson from Danimal Planet, 
buddy of mine and one of the best bands in this city. He's a professional working musician. Was in the uh, competition again this year. And again, didn't win. So, I mean, this is multiple years now. This guy gets paid. He's a professional musician. He doesn't play free gigs, generally speaking. And he's now having to pay an entry fee and then take some of his free time to to devote to a contest that he would normally be devoting to a paying gig in his professional career. He gets in this competition. He's the best one there, and he doesn't win. I don't, I just, it just, it, to me, it's a bad look. It's a bad look for Nightfall to not book an act as good as he is at some point at least once. He shouldn't be reduced to winning a contest. And I put on social media, the road to Nightfall is a great event. Remember again, I think it's a great event and I like it and I want it to continue because I do think it is a jumping board for bands who aren't well known, who, who people don't know. So the, the, the post said the road to Nightfall is a great event. One thought. Animal Pinson shouldn't have to win a damn contest to headline Nightfall. Hashtag just do it. It got 104 likes and hundreds of comments and coming from all directions. I didn't participate in much more other than just that and then let everybody else just kind of fight it out. Some local musicians got in there. They loved it. Some didn't like it as much. Jonathan Sussman was involved in that too because he used to work for uh, Nightfall. So he gets the mission statement. Barry Corder was involved there from the paper. He also understands the mission statement of the Nightfall and its original concept from day one that they say they still abide by. I don't know if that's true. It seems like it is. And that concept is paraphrased that they try to introduce Chattanooga to, to music they've never heard before. And that it's um, it's got proximity clauses. You can't play uh, within a certain area of, of the town to play there. It's it's really their mission statement was to, to bring music to town that is completely unknown to the average Chattanoogan. I mean, do they still do that? I guess they do because I haven't heard of most of the people that come. But I'm also going to tell you this about Nightfall. They get a crowd that is a majority of people who are not there to listen to any music. And a majority of the people there haven't heard, seen Dan Pinson either. Because newsflash, everybody, just because you write for the paper, just because you worked for Nightfall, just because you worked in radio for 15 years and have a weekly podcast, and just because you play live music in the city, doesn't mean most people know who you are. Most people don't know who I am. Most people don't know who Barry Corder is or Jonathan Sussman or Dan Pinson. Most people don't know who we are. Now, a lot of people do, and we're all in different ways for different reasons thankful for that. But most people don't know who we are. And most people that are going to be at nightfall, either on their bikes or trying to look pretty or trying to socialize or trying to or maybe just to catch some music they've never heard of before, don't know who Dan Pinson is. And a lot of people do. And if you go down to nightfall and see this local act that you maybe only heard of or never heard of at all, and he's got a big following, he brings a lot of people down there, and it's a huge night, and it's slammed out, and it is one of his classic shows, you've got yourself one hell of a night at nightfall and some high-end quality entertainment that then gets spread to people who've never heard of it. And we're impressed because of how energetic and enthusiastic everybody was. How exactly does that not jive with the so-called nightfall mission statement? Sounds like a very similar situation to what they're trying to do every week. Oh, but no, but you're from Chattanooga, so we can't do that. What? That would be a great night of introducing music to the city of Chattanooga. And Dan Pinson shouldn't have to win a damn contest. Nightfall, you should book an act like that. Not every year. And I'm not the guy who's going to say you got to you should book local acts all the time, support local music. I, I don't. This is going to go against a lot of things I've said before, and it's going to irritate some people. The local music scene in this town isn't really all that good. It's better than it's been in a while, and it's got more quantity than it's had in a while. But the quality is still in a small corner over there. We've got a handful of really good acts. We've got a handful that are not all that good, and we've got a handful that are up and coming and learning how to get good. That's how scenes work. You got the top, the middle, and the ones striving to be the middle and the top. I mean, it's it's that's no different here than anywhere else. But no, we don't need local bands playing at nightfall headlining every night. There, hell, there's not that many of them. But Dan Pinson is the one of the best the city's seen in a decade and a half, and he should not have to win a contest. He's a professional musician, and that was the only point I was trying to make. That I love the event for up and coming bands to get more noticed and to learn how to market themselves. 
who are still paying their dues and to get that 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 package that grand prize win and to get that headlining slot is going to do do wonders for an up-and-coming band dan pinson ain't an up-and-coming band he's a damn rock star in this city nightfall book his band all right that's all i was trying to say then everybody got into a little bit of a fight and it wasn't nasty it was pretty civil but about just different philosophies and different ideas and the way people do and don't handle things. And I and I come from the local music scene of 10, 12 years ago. And it and night, uh, I don't know what Nightfall was booking for opening acts back then. I'm not sure if they were doing locals or not. They weren't doing a bunch of them. They do a lot more now. But Riverbend sure as hell wasn't having any local stuff. Riverbend didn't care a damn, damn thing about local music 10, 15 years ago. And if they say otherwise, they're damn liars. And so it did take a long time to get people to pay attention to local acts. Now, there again, there might not have been that many bands that were really worth paying attention to. Maybe that was part of it. So it's bigger, better, and evolving every single year, every generation, it, it seems. So that's good. So anyway, this is Ava Brothers on the way out. I am going to kind of just do a three-segment show like I did last week. I thought it sounded pretty good, and um, I don't know. Again, I might need to, uh, just, I don't know. It's my damn show. I'll do whatever I want. Really looking forward to the festival later in September. And I do agree with Jonathan that everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. All the overreactors and all the fake outragers will all settle down. And everything's going to be fun and fine over in Coolidge Park in September. Coming up next, it's the last couple of weeks where I finally realized cable TV is one of the most worthless products that's out there. And I'll tell you the more specific reason that happened just tonight that has made me infuriated, and I'm done. I am out of the cable business. That's coming up next on the Stone On Air Podcast, the weekly dose for March 29th, 2018. I'll be right back. Like a bird in a cage, I broke in and demanded that somebody breathe. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. What are you doing this for? Look at you. Quiet, I'm trying to get a picture. But you don't have to do this. The guy is waiting in my house. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's a one-time fee, 150 bucks. Why live like this? I'm not getting a legal cable. Oh, so what are you going to do? You're going to wait for the cable companies to resolve their dispute? They're going to be in court for years. Oh, I read in the paper. Oh, oh the paper. Well, they might hook us up again. Oh, God, you're so naive. All the cable companies care about is the big mamu. Oh, look at you. You're banging things. Just pathetic. Just wasting your life. I'm offering you 56 channels, movies, sports, nudity, and it's free for life! Stop shouting, you're ruining the reception! Can you hear yourself? Can, 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 do you know what you're saying? What you're suggesting is illegal. It's not illegal. It's against the law. Well, yeah. Welcome back to the show, Bruce Springsteen from 1991 or two, might have been 92, 57 channels and nothing's on, we've sure come a long way, that that was one of the early Seinfelds too, so he's saying 56 in that Kramer was anyway, and points the same, there ain't nothing on. Nothing on 157,000 channels and nothing's on. It's absolutely insane what the cable companies are trying to sell. And what's even more insane is how dipshits like me and potentially us, depending on what your situation is, continue to fall for this absolute gimmick, this absolute farce that is these cable packages. And what happened was, 
is, uh, and I've, I've had an idea about this. I've been thinking about it a lot. I mean, I pretty much already understood, but it's one of those, oh, yeah, you get used to what you're used to, and you just keep doing what you've always done. It's that whole, you know, that old adage of if, 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 if the only reason you're still doing something is because that's what you've always done, it's likely not what you should be doing anymore. And that'll be kind of a theme for the final segment of the show, talking about the uh, admissions testing coming up here in just a few minutes. But so here's the deal. The other uh, I've been I made a pact with a friend of mine that we were going to get rid of our cable boxes in February. Well, I forgot. And March rolls around. I've paid. So, well, I'm going to keep it now because I'm for another month. And at this rate, it looks like I'm about to get duped into April, too, because April's in a couple of days. And uh, I'm dumb, and I haven't uh, I haven't done it. But here, so here's what happened. So a couple weeks ago, I'm, uh, I'm I come home and it's cold. So this weather is just absolutely infuriating. Hot one day, cold the next. And I have this heater that, admittedly, is not the safest heater for this living area I have in the house. But you know, it's one of those just gonna hope that that everything's okay in the end. Just kind of typical dumb uh, white guy stuff or dumb American people stuff. And what happens is, is it's plugged into a surge protector that it's basically blowing up. And then all my TV stuff was plugged into that. And it somehow, because of a power overload, fried my, um, or at least this is my, my hypothesis of the situation, my EPB box, which, you know, sucks, obviously. But I have a second one in another room. So I thought, okay, fine, I'm getting rid of these pieces of blanket eventually anyway. I'm going to go get the one downstairs. Everything be fine. Well, the one that's downstairs that I moved upstairs to where I'm normally watching TV is not the main box that has the DVR. It's just a box that uh, as long as the DVR is connected to the network, the, it, all, it works just fine. But it doesn't house the, you know, the, the storage or whatever. It, that's not the main box. And I didn't realize this. So I plug it in and I've got cable TV. Great. I've got 157,000 channels. Great. So I don't realize until, I don't know, maybe later on that day, maybe into the next day that my DVR doesn't work. And that's, I live off the DVR and I live off of pausing TV. I'm not going to sit around and and watch TV in a regular live stream. I haven't thought about it in a long time because I haven't had to, but I'll tell you what, living with cable TV that just flows in a live streaming and it, I can't stop it, I can't pause it, I can't record it, is absolutely worthless. Worthless. And you don't realize it until you have to deal with it. It is absolutely horrible. I mean, you know, first world problems to be sure, but this is caveman-like. Trying to watch TV and get up and go to the bathroom and you got to like run or if you want to, you know, make some food or something, it's hard to do all this stuff at once. And if you miss something, whoa, 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 what did you just say? Hold on. It's just poof, poof, gone. It's just gone. Utterly ridiculous that anybody would live their lives with this kind of ridiculous technology. Now, then you start to think about, okay, well, so you pause. That's cool. That's, that's good. You DVR. That's cool. That's good. The things that you're pausing and DVRing and going back and watching is virtually, almost always, there are exceptions but not many, absolutely available somewhere else and likely for free or for very, very small fees. The fact that we would pay, I pay EPB $166 a month. The internet is $59.99 and then they charge me over $100 dollars for cable tv are you kidding me no wonder i've been broke between added income through extra jobs that i now have and reducing fees like this and going in and cutting out things like resumebuilder.com or whatever it was that i had from a a podcast if you listened a few weeks back it's amazing how much money we waste i'm telling you you don't realize it until you're forced to think about it and you're forced to do the math and you're forced to figure out what truly is going on here. The gig, you know, gig city and all that. I, I made wisecracks when it came and in a Oh nine and, or I guess it was more like 11, 12, 13. Oh, now we got the super duper gig or whatever. I was like, yeah, great. Just some more excuses so they can charge you more money for your cable. But no, the gig is real. 
The internet is blazing fast. It is real. It is not new. It's not going anywhere. And it, I wish I could find the interview I did with my uh, cousin who works in Hollywood and has worked on several te television shows you've heard of I won't get into right now. I did an interview with her on talk radio in 2007 where she was explaining, if you remember, there was a writer's strike back then, 2007 into 2008, and everybody's like, what's up with these greedy asshole writers? And what it was was is they realized they're going to start putting all these TV shows on cable on, on excuse me on the internet, and we're not going to get paid because we don't have a contract that pays us for anything other than TV. They saw this thing over ten years ago. They knew this was coming, and so in effect, I guess I did too. I just didn't take it all that seriously because I didn't have to, or at least I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to at that point. This is real. Watch TV on your Chromecast from your phone, Chromecast from your laptop, Chromecast from your desktop. This is craziness. So do yourself a favor. Sit down and do some math. Figure out how much money you're going to save by getting rid of this ridiculous cable TV. And then look around every time you sit down to watch TV and, and see how little there is to watch. And that's what happened to me tonight as I sat down to... Uh, to do the podcast, and I saw Joe Biden on as a, as a, doing a cameo on, on Law and & Order, and I couldn't pause it, and I couldn't record it, so I had to stop for an hour, or at least I wasn't planning on it for hours, just going to watch the beginning, and then, whoop, well, good episode once again, and I got stuck watching the damn thing for an hour. It was ridiculous and, and borderline barbaric, damn it, and I am not interested in this Cable TV is a thing of the past in my life coming up here any day now, and I would highly suggest you look into doing the exact same thing. Appreciate you guys finding the show. Coming up next, State Representative Mike Carter and State Senate Bo Watson are both supporters of House Bill 1782, and that is in efforts to eliminate mandatory admission testing in Hamilton County, one of only five counties in the state of Tennessee that does it. Meanwhile, the entire state has met its ozone or air quality standards, one of the only states, if not the only state in the country to do it. We don't need it. It's dumb. They're pushing this bill. You should support it as well. I'll get into that next on the Stone on Air podcast. One of the uh, issues that's up this year is uh, an end to the air pollution testing. What brought this about? First off, the problem is it punishes the poor because, as the lady said to me that night, this is an inconvenience to you. It harms my family. That's the difference. But remember that in the 15, 18 years we've had these, the quality of the car and its output and pollution standards are now 18 years better. So that's a dramatic improvement. So we want to make sure that we maintain those standards, yet we don't punish the working poor with the obligation to meet the standards. Welcome back to the show. That's audio courtesy of WTCI, local PBS station. Beep, 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 yeah. That's Mike Carter from the State House. We'll hear more from him here in a minute. Also from Bo Watson from the State Senate. Both Republicans that are pushing House Bill 1782. That's to eliminate admissions testing, or at least mandatory admissions testing. In the end, I don't think it's going to go anywhere because it's big business. I'll get to that here in a minute. It brings in a lot of money, and uh, governments are not usually in the business of eliminating things that bring in money. What I hope they'll at least do is some kind of drastic reform that eliminates people from having to uh, to, 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 to be mandated. And, and there's just certain qualifications and certain income levels that would be exempt because sometimes you just don't have any money to get your damn car fixed. I, I mean, I, it should be completely eliminated, but it won't be. I would be shocked beyond belief. If it's completely elim eliminated, they've already built all the damn testing centers. They already have 
people in place. There's a bureaucracy of, of, a, of a, a chain of command who run these things. They're not just going to throw these people out of jobs. And, 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 you know, you can make the argument that, you know, you don't want that either. Um, you know, shit happens the way I look at it sometimes when it comes to, uh, to situations like that. It was a scam when it was put in. It's a scam now. It'll be a scam forever. If it's such a big deal, why isn't it in every, yeah, every county? Um, I did some pretty, really, I'll go ahead and just say exhaustive research on this topic a few years ago when it was coming up for whatever reason. It wasn't to eliminate it. It was in the news for some reason over at the talk station. And I did a full hour, hour and a half on looking at, at all kinds of different counties, cities, states from the southeast, different regulations, different air pollution levels, different testing, different ways they handled uh, environmental concerns. I mean, it was it was pretty thorough. I don't have a damn bit of time or a second or care to get into all that again. But really, in the end, we were off from whatever those standards were, 15, 16, 17, whatever it is, years ago, by a very, very minuscule amount. And it was a handful of counties that were also in that same level. We weren't, this isn't Chattanooga 1960s and 70s and maybe even in the 80s when we were dubbed the dirtiest city in the country and, and had just, just awful exhaust and, and smog and a mess from what they say. Of course, I wasn't here, wasn't alive through most of it, but that was, that's what the story has always been. That's not how this was. 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago, whatever year it was, it, it was implemented. I do not remember. I remember I bought my Volkswagen bus in 2004, and it had just missed the antique uh, year to where you're exempt from this, and I couldn't get it through damn emissions. I drove it for two years. Three, no, I, I drove it for almost five years without having legal tags on it. And, and I didn't have any money to get to get that thing fixed. You know, screw you. So I'll just put my car tag. I didn't care. And I drove it all over the place. And there's people doing that all the time, too. So now you're just forcing people to uh, to, to break petty laws. And, and, and in the end, you know, some of these asshole politicians probably like that. They probably like the idea, hey, then we then we more revenue sources when we find people are driving on expired tags because they can't get their tags fixed. Because they are or, or updated because they can't get their car through emissions and they don't have any damn money to fix their catalytic converter. So it's a, it's a it's a total scam. It is a tax on the poor. It's a well, it's it's a burden on the poor and a tax. It's a tax on the on the middle class and it's an inconvenience for the rich. But all the way around, we all agree it sucks. And I'll give you the perfect example of why it is a complete scam. Really, all they're doing is they're plugging into your your car's computer. Like, like AutoZone would, or your mechanic to check your codes, just see where the the problem in your car might be. It's the same thing they do. AutoZone. I mean, they, we don't even need to have a testing center. You can just go over to AutoZone and they can tell you. And basically, all it does is if if all your codes check out, then you're good. It doesn't really have anything to do with what exactly is or isn't coming out of your exhaust. Not on these newer cars. Cars that are built in the last twenty years are not dirty cars. We make high-efficient, low-emission vehicles pretty much across the board now. The idea, you know, the, the business of making these shitty cars back in the day just to get turnover and try to, you know, make them die quicker so they can make more and sell more is over with because Americans get a new car every five years anyway. It doesn't matter if the car is any good or not. The automotive industry is booming because people are obsessed with cars. And so really, and these days it's almost become because we'll lend so much money. Just look at the books, look at the, look at the financing companies and how much money it goes towards lending of vehicles. It's, it's absolutely off the charts. And so it doesn't almost matter in some situations, people who are poor, people who are middle-class and strapped for cash, people who are rich, we all tend to have a nice phone and a nice car. So most people, most cars on the road, are not overly polluting the environment most of them and people get new cars so often if you just if you have a five-year-old car the hell you mean i gotta go get the emissions tested there's nothing wrong with my damn emissions and here's the biggest scam of all of it and this doesn't have anything to do whether you got a nice late model car or not if your check engine light is on you're failing your emissions test why because that's all that that little thing that you can go get one at AutoZone. That any old numbnuts can can learn to use in five seconds. You plug the thing up, you take a look, it shows you a code is off or bad, and your check engine lights on, you you fail. You fail. 
Right now, I have a catalytic converter that's, that's what is it, um, O2 sensors or some something like that. Hell, I don't know. And my check engine light goes off and on. Earlier, uh, at the end of last year, I my check engine light had gone off. And I hauled ass over to the missions test, and guess what happened? I passed. Well, I'm so stupid, I didn't get around to go into actually getting the sticker, and I didn't know that those things had a, an expiration date on them. So you, they, get, they get like 30 days or 45 days, and then your certificate that says you pass is no good. Well, I went to go get my, my tags fixed, and they said, hey, no, this is expired. I'm like, Jesus, how stupid am I? So I'm like, well, my damn it's <laughs> check engine light's on, so I'm screwed. Well, the next day, my check engine light went off. I went over to this emissions, plugged, they plugged the damn thing up, and guess what? I passed. Two or three days later, the check engine light came back on. I mean, give me a damn break. What are we doing here? What kind of game is this? You know, are we, are we worried about the environment, or are we worried about making as much money as we can and manipulating how people spend their money? It is a scam. This is State Representative from District 29, Mike Carter, discussing why he supports House Bill 1782. I honestly thought there was probably very little I could do, but I promised to do something. A few nights later or a few weeks later, I discovered through an announcement on television that uh, Tennessee had met all air pollution standards in all 95 counties, only state in the nation to do so. So I thought, wow, there may be room for this. Since we've discovered that uh, Memphis was able to withdraw because their pollution achievements that we had made in in Tennessee. And so that's what gave rise to the bill. If Memphis can do it, then we can do it. Damn it, that should be the motto. If Memphis can do it, so can we. And he's right. What we implemented did the trick. It it got it done what we needed done, supposedly. I, I I've got my doubts as to whether this is actually what created the the air quality standards to be where they need to be. But that's probably another conversation for another day. We did it. We fixed it. So now we should do something different. He goes on to talk about having different kinds of standards to continue to keep the air quality where it's at. If another standard needs to be in place, for example, Knoxville limited tractor trailers 10 miles on either side of its city limits. Uh, And and in in exchange for that, did not have to do emissions testing. So we're open to any other change that is required to meet and to keep our air clean. I'm curious to know more about that 10 miles trucks in Knoxville thing. I didn't totally understand that. I'll look more into that later. But you really want to know what's polluting the air in the city of Chattanooga? Just look at the ridge cut at the bottom and the top every day around, oh, I don't know, 4 to 6, 630. Go look at the 75-24 split, same time frame between 430 and 530 every single day, Monday through Friday and count the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tractor trailers up and down are absolutely congested and down to a standstill, just polluting the air, sitting there at a standstill every single day. Add on top of that the thousands of other trucks that come in and out of here as we're a major hub of travel to, to all areas of the southeast. 75 comes from from where? All the way up in Chicago, Michigan maybe, all the way down to Florida. That's where the pollution is. Find some standards and some programs and figure out a way to make some money off of that. Not taxing your your middle class, inconveniencing your uh, uh, higher end class, and absolutely putting a major burden and hardship on your lower class citizens of your own area, especially if it's just this one damn county. If it's so important in Hamilton County, why is it not in Polk and Marion and all these others around here? What do they just, they have amazing air quality and, and, and don't pollute there. They don't have nearly as many people, can't make nearly as much money, probably won't, don't have people who will vote for things like that. This is Bo Watson, state senator, talking about this is exactly what government regulations are supposed to do. This is how this is supposed to work. Yeah, this is how uh, government regulation is supposed to work, actually, yeah. if you think about it. Uh, so in the, in the early 2000s, we had uh, you know, a problem with ozone and unclean air in six counties. So you put in a regulatory process to correct the problem. So now you come along 10, 15 years later, and the problem's been corrected. So instead of doing like the federal government does, which just continue on with the regulation ad infinitum, 
we've asked uh, the legislature to take a look at this and say, okay, is there another strategy that we can now employ that that is is less has less harm on the public in terms of financially and still accomplishes the same means, which is keeping clean air. Nobody wants dirty air. That's a that's a foolish argument. But you don't just keep doing something once it's accomplished its goals. And state government is really good about looking back at its regulatory structure and saying, do we still need to continue doing that or not? That's what we're asking uh, the legislature to do. We think we have a great argument, uh, and uh, I think you'll see us move this bill forward. We will have to put something in its place because we've got to maintain the clean air, but it can be much less onerous than the, the current emissions testing process. Yeah, they're not going to do away with it completely. That pretty much just proved it there. They're going to figure out a way to make some money. They're going to have certain kind of qualifications and limitations and things like that and hardships. Hopefully, that's what this leads to. That'll be a nice little kind of common ground, middle ground, where we don't eliminate it, but we don't require every you know old asshole walking around having to do it. And you know that'll be interesting to see if that's acceptable for uh, most of us. Any change in that direction, I'm going to be happy with because I never thought we'd see the day. I never thought we'd see the day that this would happen. Uh, you know, it's been around now 15, 16, 17 years. And you go to other areas. You go to Knoxville. You go to Nashville, which is you know a big progressive area in Nashville and the East Side, and a lot of uh, Democrats and voting in those areas. And this seems to be. I don't know. I don't know. It's not really a Democrat idea. It's kind of like a mixture. Like Democrats try to make arguments that this is this is great for the environment, and then the Republicans try to make a, the, the argument that this is um, this is good for the environment and it creates jobs. I think it's just a scam all the way around, and everybody's lying. I'm gonna put the wraps on the show in a minute, but this is from a local think tank, Metro Ideas Project kind of making the the pros and cons and it's a long uh, a long piece by let's make sure i get her name at least somewhat close to right Aliyah tavet a research assistant i think it's a local chattanooga person anyway this was posted today three things to know about hamilton county emissions tests emissions tests have contributed to cleaner air in large cities goes on to give a bunch of links bunch of sources bunch of sites um, while it is difficult to isolate emissions testing from other air pollution controls, it has played a large role in reducing air pollution. Emissions programs lead to innovative technologies and cleaner cars. Cars have 98% cleaner tailpipe emissions now than they did in the 1960s. I'm not going to give you the, the point that car manufacturers are making better cars because of emission testing. I'm not going to let you have that. I'm not going to let you get away with that. Being clean and green and environmentally conscious is cool. It's not because they have to get testing. It's because it's fashionable and making good quality cars are what the, the consumer wants. The demand is make me a good, clean car that doesn't suck, please, and we'll get it financed and we'll buy the damn thing. Americans proven that. that. I won't give you that. Two, emission testing may be becoming less effective. I will give you that. The study, this study concludes that emissions testing, particularly for older cars, has a positive effect on the environment. As older cars are phased out, we may be approaching a time where testing costs outweigh the smaller gains in pol pollution reduction. That's kind of the point. People are driving late model cars in general for the most part, regardless of, of economic status. And if you're not, it's because you can't afford it and you sure as hell can't afford $1,100 to get a new catalytic converter. That's what my Toyota Echo needs is a catalytic converter. Your car doesn't even need one of those to operate. And I'm not putting $1,100 into a 16-year-old car that the car's worth about $1,100. And I don't need government regulation dictating whether I need to go out and buy a new car or make a poor financial decision like put as much money into a car than what it's worth. And three, eliminating emissions testing poses economic losses. Hamilton County had fee revenues. I'm assuming this is of uh, last year, probably one of the fiscal years here recently. Hamilton County fee revenues of over $286,000. Over a quarter of a million dollars for just pulling in there and handing over your nine bucks. This fiscal note also warns that without an implementation this fiscal note also warns that without an implementation plan, Tennessee could face sanctions and withholdings of federal funding. The state received $1.4 million under the Clean Air Act this fiscal year. Then there's also that. If they do fall into any kind of category where something slips in some kind of you know little thermometer somewhere, the government could cut out giving the, city, the state $1.4 million. Now, I want the state to get $1.4 million. 
but this isn't about emissions testing. Our air is not cleaner because everybody in Hamblin County has to drive through this little drive-through, have this little thing plugged up that any old numbnut can figure out how to use that you could go to AutoZone to get. That's not why our air is cleaner. So that's pretty much all I got on that. And Mike Carter, Bo Watson, and people who that are in state legislators and, and in the House and in the Senate and in Congress that are trying to do things that are actually impactful to my everyday life, I'm a fan of. I don't care what party you're in. I don't care who you voted for president. I don't care who you slept with. I don't care who you married to. I don't care what you did 20 years ago. I'm concerned with people in the state and local representations politically who are doing things that actually affect my life. So I think that's going to do it for the show. We'll put the wraps on things. And um, hopefully, you know, maybe there's no reason to talk to Mike Carter anymore. Maybe we already know what there is to know from um, our state representative from District 29. But if he returns the call or returns the email, maybe I'll have him on the show in the coming weeks. So I appreciate you guys finding the show. It's the most listened to, the most downloaded, the most easily accessible podcast in the city of Chattanooga. Regardless of how you get the show, I would suggest if you're not doing it through a podcasting app, you do that. It's the easiest way to do it. Or if you've got an iPhone, do it through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they call it now. You can listen to it online as a stream from SoundCloud, but you got to be connected. It's using your data. I know most of us are connected to Wi-Fi most times anyway. But you download it, and then you just got it there, and then you can delete it as soon as you're done. You can listen to it offline. You can listen to it on a plane. You can listen to it in your car. You can listen to it anywhere you want. Uh, so check out a podcasting app if you have not done so. I, I wouldn't be able to drive further than 20 minutes without my podcast app because I load up shows, and that's when I listen to podcasts. When I hit the road, I went to Knoxville the other day and uh, love their drive. I love traveling now. So I always have something to listen to. So I appreciate you guys finding the show. We'll do it again next week. We'll see you on the radio, Alt 98.7, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday. Tuesdays at the feed. Don't be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember. You know this whole spiel. I'm going to get on out of here. We'll do it again next week. See you. Bye.